it is time to tune up the band and talk about our favourite vanilla spot monkeys because it's time for another sweet chinwag. I am Sam, joined as ever by Reardon and Dan. Hello there, gentlemen, on this most spookiest of days. <laughs> I don't like it. I regret everything I ever said about it. Oh, goodness. Yes, we are bringing you the evil of the thriller in the spooktacular Sweet Chinwag. Being broadcast Let's... or being uh, being released in November. So, you know, timing. Great timing. Quiet, <laughs> <Spite> you. <laughs> Such uh, is the way of podcast production. Spooky scheduling conflicts. Spooky, scary scheduling. Um, <laughs> we give you this podcast. <laughs> Thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, and soon to be wherever you get your podcast fix. Forever pending. Shall never, ever leave our, uh, our podcast. <laughs> then, now, forever. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, that, oh, the the day we get to announce what we're planning uh, on that on that quote alone, man, I can't wait to reveal that. <laughs> oh yeah, it's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be beautiful. But before we get on to this episode, all about the cruiserweight division, it is time to mosey on over to Dan and talk about the weird week that has been in wrestling with this week's wrestling news dun 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 wrestling news <laughs> smooth especially with the new I, mic I, as well Dan it sounds I, much yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you didn't go like for I'm on radio when I have it yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised you didn't go for wrestling news <laughs> his mic cuts off as he going to like <laughs> Uh, well, there that you would go. have been a good idea, but I didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I've got to get this. God, this feels like forever ago. We're starting off with Raw, and <laughs> let's go to our favorite group of completely random people: Retribution. Hey, those ragamuffins that somehow managed to have WWE contracts. It's just, I don't even know at this point. <laughs> All right, so okay, we've got we've got to talk about the Mia Yim thing. Yeah, oofed that was that looked nasty. I think's the thing. I don't even know how to describe it. I I I I, I it's the same. I, you know what? No, same. I, I I've I got nothing. Reardon, have you got something? Because I don't. Mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so for those who are listening that didn't catch Raw this week, Retribution had a match against the Hurt Business for what is, I believe, the third week in a row. Um, hey, it makes a change from being Ricochet though. So, mm. Um, mm. but during the match, I believe it was MVP and Slapjack. Uh, and me Yim just had like <laughs> I don't know. I get I, the closest thing I can describe is she had she had like a seizure. <laughs> yeah, it and like was just like convulsing furiously, and then <laughs> just kind of rolled out of the ring. <laughs> I I I 
can't even. It did did Kenshiro suddenly like cut come into the ring or Omoyawa whilst invisible and just destroy <laughs> me a yim? I mean it, maybe it's not out know. of the realms of possibility this is the wwe it, after yeah it, i mean robocop exists canonically in wrestling so oh, jesus he does doesn't he yes, he does <laughs> just to remind you of that just to remind you of that hey but so Dennis, do the free exists in kayfabe so <laughs> true oh god that's true <laughs> the only the only way I can think to describe this 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 happening though is it's just like one of those stupid meme videos where it's just like me Yim fucking dies. <laughs> <laughs> like I I honestly don't know what to say other than me me Yim deserves better. <laughs> Everyone in that group deserves better. She really um, does. And if yeah. Retribution weren't already a joke, that they definitely are now. Yeah. Which yeah. is a shame because then again, um, Mustafa Ali dropped the heat promo after. He it's did. just a shame that it's happening after losing all the time. <laughs> you know what? This all reminds me as well, and because I just did mention the reference. Anyone seen the Fist of the North Star, a live action film? Terrible film, but you know, apropos of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> See, but that's the thing with Raw is that I could talk about Fist of the North Star, but it wouldn't hinder anything talking about Raw because Raw was just so boring. <laughs> Yeah, I just, just I don't know, man. Uh, we had the uh the match to decide who was in Raw's Survivor Series team, and I want to say right. <laughs> I know Elias has just returned, but Keith Lee should it should basically be a squash match. Yeah. Yes. It should basically be a squash match. It shouldn't have gone on anywhere near as long as it did. Uh, I mean, it's it's hey, the guitar. Hey, got the album out. He's got the album out though. It went number one on iTunes. Oh, it did. I believe so. Yeah, it, it was. I think it was number one in the soundtracks charts. Yeah, I believe, oh. something like that. Well, good for him. I'm legitimately happy for him. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's, the album it's somehow. Like, Mm. Yeah, definitely. It seems like this is kind of building to some kind of weird Keith Lee versus Braun Strowman feud, which I don't know that I want. That's. Um, mm, I think the current character bit. of Braun Strowman. No, if it was Braun Strowman uh, after WrestleMania, yeah, like pure yes, Braun Strowman. Not this weird rip-off Desert Storm-looking guy. No, I, I no, yeah. I, I, I want. Like get these He's hands. Playing a bit too much Call of Duty. Yes. <laughs> uh, we have. Oh God! I just got reminded about the twenty-four-seven match. Oh, oh dear. No, I can go. The only note for that is that Drew Gulak deserves way better. He's looking shredded as heck now, is Drew Gulak. Oh, he is. He is absolutely cut. <laughs> oh yeah, and the Miz has money in the bank now. Oh yeah, let's not let's not forget. I'm just realizing we had uh, Hell in the Cell in that time as well. Man. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Let's not I. forget. Yeah, let's not forget that Hell in a Cell was a thing. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, be, I'll just do give my quick overall. Hell in a Cell wasn't awful. It was actually surprisingly good for the Hell in a Cell pay per view. It was a hell of a lot better than last year's one. Let's be honest. Because anything would have been better match. than last year's one. <laughs> I will say that one, the 
honestly the highlight is probably Banks Bailey. Yes. Um great matchup. Roman versus Jay was very good. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of great moments in it. That's still uh, step spot probably was... st- Oh uh, Yes. Uh, I'd probably say Banks Bailey was probably the highlight of uh, the Hell in a Cell pay per view. Not Randall Keith Orton shock title win. Okay, no, moving on. Nah, really. <laughs> oh yeah, going back to Raw. Uh, once again, uh, Lana went through a table. <laughs> That's it. It's, is it just like a running gag now? Is that just what she does? Gets put through tables? Is that it? She At is least the she's table. winning and getting put through tables now. Uh, oh man, I tell you, this 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 slow burial uh, or something that was beyond her control is is really mm. getting annoying now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be fair, it's a thing that's been going around following, um, obviously following the announcement about how, perceive how uh, Raw's women's Survivor Series team is being seen as so bad, and like, it's. I'll be honest, it's not what I would go for, but they're working with what they've got. Mm. It's just a shame. I'll be honest, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke being in there, don't really know why, but... Why are they a team again? Like... <laughs> uh, because. Uh, same thing as what I should have said, is why Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans were a tag team. But, you know, it's... <laughs> Well, because the thing is, though, is that because previously before this, uh, Shayna and Nia were, were in matches against Mandy Databrook. Yeah. So I don't know why they're all of a sudden now just like instantly on the same team for Survivor Series. I just assume that like Shayna and Nia are just going to like clear house on their own team and probably the other team as well. Probably. The only reason we're we're talking about this is because continuity doesn't exist in WWE. We've known this for years, being wrestling fans. I'm just just wondering, though, right? Like, okay, no no heat on Lana, but you have Peyton Royce, Nikki Cross, and Lacey Evans in that Fatal 4-Way match. Why is not one of them winning? (laughs) True dat. True dat. It's confusing. I acknowledge that that statement is pretty dab rude but still no, i mean you there is there is some validity to it i mean considering the way they've been booking lana as well it makes you go why why that why that decision but it's uh it's just i think it's just another another reason as to why the year that they have had has just not been great at all no. Yeah, I I would definitely say this. Raw has had a a rough year. <laughs> a very very rough year. <laughs> can we move on to something a little bit better to talk about? Yeah, we absolutely can. We're moving on to NXT after Halloween Havoc. Oh, Halloween Havoc was so good. <laughs> we didn't get the giant spooky pumpkin vampire, but we did get a graphic of it. So I'll take that at least. We did get an inflatable pumpkin though. Pumpkin. We yeah, did which get Johnny that. Gargano stuck a like stuck a knife into for the, for the the bastard just like Jack Skellington. Oh god, dang I it! Know. I can't lock. Can't not love. Can't not that that gear went hard. That yeah. gear went hard. <laughs> can't not love Johnny Gargano. Damn him! <laughs> uh, but no, that that first match though of uh, Gargano and Damian Priest was a really good match. 
uh, definitely showed every, you know, the best of both of them, really. Yes. Um, I was really happy that Damian Priest really got to show off the athleticism in this match. Absolutely. Uh, they put on a they put on a clinic. They put on a yeah clinic of a match. Great opener to start off and uh, oh, fantastic opener. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart being just Shotzi Blackheart is just like. Go oh, yes, yeah, please. Yeah, I assumed that Shotzi Blackheart was just being herself. Yes, <laughs> it's um, the only way to describe it. But um, I also love the ongoing feud between Johnny Gargano and Wheels. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, it, it's to... nice. It's it's nice. I like that they're that they're just adding that little bit into there. Do you want to do you want to kind of explain this, Dad? Just, just in a very short statement to people who don't know about this feud. <laughs> oh, okay. So I've got I've got to think about this now. I've got to try and remember where it actually officially started. <laughs> where did it properly start? Shit. Um. I'm trying to think back. It, it was it this year. It was a, yeah, because it was a, it was at one of the takeovers, wasn't it? I think it was one of the takeovers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, so yeah, it. I can't explain it, Dad. Because every time I'm thinking of it, it's making me laugh. <laughs> Dad, take over, please. He had, he had, I'm, try, I'm just trying to make sure I'm thinking of the right thing now. Because it's where he had the like the wheel dropped on top of him. Yep. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, and then when they had it here, and they were like, "It's spin the wheel, make a deal match," and they had the thing going on, and then um, you know, just like Johnny Gargano just kept going on about how much he hated wheels. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say though, I will say though, the um, the. Uh, one final beat DDT using the wheel as the like the support that that I popped for that so hard. Yeah, same. That Ugh. was so good. We had the mis- we had uh, Ghostface from Scream appear, <laughs> as you do. Yeah, what is your favorite spooky wrestling match? <laughs> just like she just appeared out of nowhere and was like, "Hello, I have a pipe, Johnny. Hit him with it." But it would not be the last time we see Ghostface at Halloween Havoc. No. It was not. He, he would appear again. But um, <laughs> the two things I would love to give... Well, uh, there's three things I'd love to give a mention to in this match. One, uh, the sit-out choke slam that Damien Priest does. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That move is amazing. Yeah. The height he gets on that everything. Uh, the... Uh, a reference to someone I'm probably mentioning in the course of this episode, but the uh, the sliced bread onto the steel steps. Oh, ow. Oh, I'm so glad that they had managed to pull that off because I almost for a split second thought, oh, no, 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 he's under, Johnny's undershot that. And then fortunately, oh, fortunately, they pulled it off properly. But, oh, yeah. that was that looked a bit that fishy. Was, that was some, that was ridiculous, honestly. Um Finally, the one where uh, Gargano—they're like going up towards where where the wheel is, and he opens up the casket, and the skeleton jumps out, and he super kicks it. That's <laughs> <laughs> only it Johnny Gargano so should. Stupid, but I loved it so much. Oh man, talking of, of stupid though, let us talk about Cameron Grimes versus Dexter oh, Lewis in the haunted house. Cameron of terror. Grimes versus Dexter Lewis in the haunted house of terror. Now, basically, the way to describe this is it's just a tribute to, like, 
B horror movies. Yes. Yes. Um, can we like, mention as well the cameo appearance from Michael P.S. Hayes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we can. Uh, Cameron Grimes waiting on a van, and out pops from the back of that van is Michael Hayes giving him words of encouragement as only Michael Hayes can. <laughs> For uh, me, it was the tracksuit that really did it. Yes. Yes, the, the, the orange-velvet tracksuit and fanny pack combo uh, that's, uh, that only certain wrestlers can pull off. Uh, it takes a certain kind of person. Yeah. And that person is Michael Hayes. Uh, <laughs> but let us not forget as well the, the shockingly B-movie-esque nature of the match, which I loved. Uh, this is true cinematic oh, yeah. wrestling at its zenith. Yes, I said that. It's At times I felt it even rivaled the Firefly Funhouse. By personally, there's there's one thing there's one way to put it right, which is that if you if you're going at it from like the perspective of the other cinematic matches like Firefly Funhouse and the Boneyard match, and you know other things, right? Mm. Honestly, I could see how people would be disappointed. <laughs> yes, and, and <laughs> as as some people have been with it. Yes, but for. For me going and watching it, I'd just being like, okay, this is like a this is like a B horror movie. I was just like, this is incredible. <laughs> this was such my jam, and the ending to this match was even more of my jam. Uh, and I'm hoping that Bryce and Dylan are, are listening to this because yes, zombies made a return to wrestling, and boy did they return in style. <laughs> Oh hell yeah! They did. can I just say that thing where Dexter Loomis was in the ring and then that zombie woman was like crawling around him. Dexter Loomis used a zombie as a weapon, Ridd. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, no, he straight up threw a zombie at um, Cameron Grimes. Oh, but, I mean, like, but like the moment before it though, where she was like crawling around him, he was just standing like dead still. I was like, yo, holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Without question. Now, such a fun match, and if honestly, it's just like you wanna you wanna make a Halloween styles match. There you go. You got you got it with Halloween Havoc. You got it with that match. Um, Tommaso Champa. Let's talk about a couple of backstage things. Uh, Tommaso Champa's yeah. uh, promo was fantastic, and I think very justified in his character. Yep. He doesn't recognize what NXT's become. Um. And he's not even sure where his place in the in the company is. Uh, could we see a resurgence of the Black Heart? Uh, I yeah, I'd like I to see it for sure. I think I'd like to see it. I mean, I th he's definitely valid in what he's saying because there's definitely been a distinct shift in NXT. You know, the style and the production and everything it's aiming for. Mm. Um, I definitely think for someone like him who is one of those. Kind of, I mean, he's a stalwart of NXT at this point, really. Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely think there's a lot of justification, a lot of storyline that you could do with him. You know, feeling put out by this kind of new style of NXT. Um, the really shameful thing is that, if anything, though, the closest thing it probably aligns him to is someone like Retribution. I don't want him going near anywhere near there. No, yes. no, no. Let's 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 not talk about that and go straight uh, on to Drake Maverick and Killian Dane's tribute to uh, to WCW. <laughs> can I just say one thing before we do this? Right, <laughs> WCW lives rent free in Vince McMahon's head. Yes, 
<laughs> that's that's it. Yes. Um, but can I say I love this? This was in- <laughs> this was amazing. This was this... everything I ever wanted. Drake Maverick dressed up as Hollywood Hogan. We had the giant and the yeti bear hugging him. Double bear hug. <laughs> <laughs> and we had Killian uh, Killi Day dressed as the Shockmaster. As the Shockmaster. <laughs> Dear God. To which Drake Maverick... so much fun. Wasn't it Drake Maverick was begging him to fall over and then Drake took no, the he helmet? Said, he said, um... Oh, wh- why didn't you fall over? It's like, um... Oh, oh, that thing, I moved it. I'm not falling over. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. Okay. Personally, my favourite moment of this, though, was when he kept calling the interviewer Mean Gene. Yes. <laughs> Uh, that was just so stupid. I loved it. I love the callback, the ending of where Maverick takes Killian Dane's Shockmaster helmet, falls over, and then Dane goes, He fell on his ass! <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely that, but also when he's reading through the list, he's like, You don't like the gear, yeah. You don't like the music, and you don't join in. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It was so stupid, but so much fun. Uh, yeah, and let's talk about actually that one of the the final, I guess the final big promo uh, of of Halloween Havoc was uh, was Pat McAfee in the ring with uh, Lorcan yeah, and Birch. With uh, Lorcan and Birch. Uh, great promo. I I, I never thought uh, in the in, well many silly things that have happened this year. The one thing I never thought I'd say is Pat McAfee uh, cutting a very good promo. <laughs> A very impassioned. Yeah, promo. no, it was it was re- it was really good. Um, I maybe would have liked to have seen a little bit more from Walker and Birch, but yes. you know, I think they're just letting McAfee do his thing. Mm. Um, it's nice that they kind of tied it all together with Ridge Holland. Yes, yes. Um, and I'm just kind of interested to see where they go with it because it, it feels it just feels weird in my head that realistically if things went the way that they did we would have had a stable with pat Ma- pat mcafee and uh only lorcan and then just free british wrestlers yeah <laughs> um but i mean i'm not against it at all um, yes the the ending and it, to was, this. it was it was quite nice though that they put um you know they put the thing in about like uh, Lorcan made a bit of a mistake in injuring Ridge Holland, which was good because that yeah. kind of ties everything up nicely together. I appreciated the fact that they didn't forget Ridge Holland, yeah, which they, is they, always they, so they, the they, case they with these it. things. Uh, it's really good that they addressed it. Mm. Um, but, I'm uh, just kind of excited to see where this is going to go, really. And yeah. What... So with Kyle O'Reilly, the sole member standing of Undisputed Era, out comes Pete Dunne. With a chair for himself and a chair for O'Reilly. Yeah, first time since March. Yeah. Uh, a ghost looks like he's going to attack uh, McAfee, Lorcan and Birch, but swings the chair at O'Reilly's back. Because here's the thing, Pete Dunne doesn't forget. And, and he shouldn't forget what, uh, what Roderick Strong especially did to him in the Dusty Tag Classic final against the Undisputed Era. Great callback to that. And... Yeah, very justified. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Maybe with 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 these guys there in one side and the undisputed era on one side, I feel like a like a uh, like a game should be should be um, should be taking place next month. A game, <laughs> uh, a game of epic proportions that might require war. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Uh- <laughs> Your best Willie Regal voice. 
War Games. That's the one. <laughs> but no, um, two quick things. The two uh, women's contests. Um, oh, let's talk about Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Gonzalez. What a match! Can we get more like absolute hoss women wrestlers? <laughs> yes. yes, please. Oh, this was so good. So good. Oh, no, just uh, absolutely kicking lumps, hitting lumps out of each other. The, the spot that I uh, go back to is when uh, does uh, when um, Ripley does a, uh, a senton plancher uh, from the apron. Gonzalez catches her, power bombs her against the, the plexiglass, and it just throws her to the ground. Oofed. Oof. Oh, I know. That was a hell of a spot. But no, overall, fantastic match. Uh, and the main event of Shirai versus uh, Candice LeRae for the women's title in a uh, uh, tables, ladders, and scares match. Um, fantastic Which is match. a great name. Which is a great name, by yes. the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> fantastic match. And I guess planting the seeds of where we're going uh, with the women's division. Um, uh, we had the appearance of Ghostface. Um, oh, was, yeah. <laughs> which a lot of people are saying is Mercedes Martinez. Because... Now that she's out of retribution, there's nothing really else for much for her to do. Well, that's the thing, because people were trying to argue about, is it the same person? And I think it's definitely not the same person. They just use one costume. Yeah. Um, And so they were saying for them, the men's match, they reckon it's Austin Theory, which I hope not. Mm. Um, and then for the women's match, they were saying Mercedes Martinez, which I, I guess I could see. Because it's basically where she was before she moved up, anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Um, um, interference from Shotzi Blackheart, though, after Ghostface, uh, uh, Ghostface yep. appeared. As, um, as any good host would do. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But she, uh, after after the match, she did make her intentions clear that she is, not only because it was her show, but she wants to make sure that uh, the women's title picture is a fair and just one. And that she's gunning for that title, so... As she should some, be. Looking forward to seeing that. But uh, no, Io Shirai retained the title. Um, great match. Um, Candice LeRae taking some sick bumps in that match, may I add, as well. Okay, I know everyone's talking about the ladder bump, right? Because mm. that was awful. Yeah. And to be fair, she basically took a ladder to her knees. Yes. Which must hurt. The one I want to mention, though, I don't see a lot of people mention it. They were definitely meant to do a chair suplex spot. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure they messed up because I'm almost certain that Larray landed first on the back of the chair and rather than the seat. Yeah, it it didn't look clean at all of <laughs> exactly what they were going for. She was... definitely caught like one like just to the side of her spine off the back of the chair. It sucked. It it looked like it sucked massively and. Um... I just hope she's all right because she, as I said, she took some serious, serious bumps. Um, yeah, that did not look. That did not look fun. Also, was there the one where Eo did the moonsault onto the chair? Oh yeah, I remember that one. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah that's IE straight onto like a pile of chairs, which didn't look fun. Yeah, they 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 really really um, pushed the boundary uh, of. Uh, of, of your typical women's match and it was night you know fair, what in all honesty I will, I will say 
And this is this is just a separate thing. Um, Eo's moonsault has something very specific about it because she goes so flat. Yeah. And just like when when she took that bump, I was just like, oh my god! Did her face hit it first, or did her like knees hit it first? Because it looked awful. Yeah, it did not look great at all. I, I oh, but uh, ow, yeah. I'm pretty sure that they were hurt in the morning after. <laughs> but the pair of them were hurt Fairly in the morning sure after. They will. <laughs> uh, but no, great, great victory for Io Shirai. Coming out with Poppy again in the entrance, which I appreciated. As she should, because Poppy's amazing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll look to see. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what's happening uh, with the women's division now. Even more so now with this. I'm definitely interested. Um, I can definitely see. Well, I mean, I I pretty much envision Rhea Ripley will be back in the title picture. It's crazy to think that Rhea Ripley's only like twenty four. Crazy, isn't it? Crazy, like absolutely ridiculous that she's that good at that age. But uh, um, so good. Yeah, she she's there. Uh, Shotzi is there. I definitely see Larray staying in the picture. Absolutely. Um, obviously Tony Storm and Ember Moon, Dakota Kai. Just again. Um, we talk about how stacked so that it, roster it, it, is. It, it's really interesting to see where things will go. In, yeah. The only thing I'm the only thing I'm really interested in is because obviously the uh the women's tag titles can be defended on all three brands, can't they? They can indeed. So I'd be really interested to see if they leave her into that. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Indeed. I definitely think it'd be a good way of using some of the some of the talent, which maybe aren't getting the main event push because there isn't space. Yeah, that is true. Because, like, let's be real, you've got to accommodate all those people who you know are all that or all good enough, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you only got so much room. And to be fair, it looks like they might be building for a push for um, Zee So yeah. It's it's um, just I'd so be really interested in that. So compelling, and it's it's Basically, nice to see the, it's so the compelling. The NXT Women's Division only has like one non upper upper carder, and that's that's Alia. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, before we get on to SmackDown, before I let you get on to SmackDown, Dan, can I just say, uh, if there's one match everyone needs to see from the previous week. Please make it Volta versus Ilya Dragunov for the UK Championship. Oh, this, this match, match was incredible. So we all knew it was going to be good. You'll see how, you'll see how um, well, my reaction was, but it reflects everyone else in, in the podcast. Reaction. Yeah. Holy shit, that match was amazing. That was... It was incredible. Um, I've been a fan of these guys for so long, um, and it was nice to see... I, I almost in a sense this is kind of like the last hurrah for WXW because I believe unfortunately they have uh, dissolved and are now no longer um, which is a shame uh, German wrestling has kind of taken a bit of a blow to that but I, you know Germany being a massive hotbed for wrestling I know that this won't be the end for German wrestling for sure no it won't be at all um, but no this was like the greatest hits compilation of every single match that Volta and Dragunov have had in their illustrious history wrestling mm. one uh, another to echo the words of our um fa- our favorite one of our favorite creators here joseph montesillo um uh this match was just two men beating the crap out of each other and sometimes that's all you need exactly exactly if you were if you uh, i know like i talked about it uh in a previous 
in previous episodes prior. But uh, like, if you really want a great introduction into uh, King's Road Wrestling, if you, I think that match is as close to a King's Road match that WWE will ever put on. <laughs> oh hell yeah, they'll never get close to that. <laughs> but uh, no, Volta is still your UK champion, and in all honesty, I don't see this as the end uh, of Dragunov uh, going no, for that no, championship. No. I think oh, no. my 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 hope would be that it would be one more match uh, between these two, because um, I I know a lot of people are going like, well, who can be UK champion now? I I honestly think Dragunov should be the next UK I'm, champion. I'm gonna yeah. throw out something speculative. I'm gonna say that the next time they're able to have like you know takeover worlds collide mm. or you know like a big takeover event with fans they'll do the switch for Dragonov. yeah I, I i really really hope so and you know what after that and just because it was announced on the same show how about we have Dragonov versus rampage brown for the uk championship I want yeah, to see so that. I'm match. so happy they've made that signing. So happy. To be fair, it's crazy that they have NXT UK is getting so much great talent, but the show's only an hour long. Yeah, it's crazy. But I know a lot of people sleep on it. A lot of people, you know, are like, oh, NXT UK, <laughs> funny, funny, funny. But it's like, do you reckon Raw could take an hour off their production and give it to NXT UK? So I think, <laughs> honestly, I think they should. They should. <laughs> Because I don't three think... hours for Raw is way too long. Yeah, as 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 you know, as the sentiment of every wrestling fan of the IWC at least will say. Down now, I can at least vaguely enjoy it because there's something interesting happening. Well, apart from this week's SmackDown, which is a great segue into SmackDown. See, <laughs> hey, I know how to do this. <laughs> let's talk about SmackDown, uh, even though I really don't want to. But let's talk about SmackDown. <laughs> Well, um, I mean, I think we've got, we've got to start with Roman Reigns and Jey Uso, right? Great, uh, fantastic uh, continuation of this story. Um, yeah, I'll be honest. I, I originally wasn't so hyped on this continuing, but actually now I've really, really bought into them keeping it going. I'm, I'm actually really, really interested. Yeah, um, especially with what Jay does uh, later on in the night. Um, yeah, uh, Roman... Oh man, the, the the circle is complete. Finally, I'm glad, and I'm so I'm, I'm happy so for happy. Roman. Yeah, I'm so happy that Roman Reigns is now free to be the person he actually wanted to be. Yeah, I mean, he's here's the thing. I think we all know that you know he has great strengths and and you know you know and his weaknesses. Unfortunately, were being um I think magnified because of terrible booking decisions. But now that Roman Reigns is in this position where he's he's got sort of kind of like a little bit of creative leeway, he's got freedom to kind of mould the character to the way he sees fit, this is the Roman Reigns I wanted to see in 2015, you know, going up against yeah, Brock Lesnar. No, I've, I've always said that this is the Roman Reigns that we could have had all along, but we didn't get. And unfortunately yeah. what we got was we got the Roman Reigns who was being, you know, booked out of the solar system and being fed lines yeah when that 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 wasn't what he needed and to be fair he he didn't he didn't ever really need to be a face exactly no. you know that they should have just let him you know lean into it and and do this and i'll be honest to say out of this i think honestly um 
you know, Jay Uso has shown himself that he can hold that spot. Absolutely. Up there with the best. I'm, I'm just kind of like, my dudes, did we not, did we learn nothing from The Rock? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's amazing that we had to get to this point. Yeah, uh, uh, They could have easily played the, do the playbook from 1997. But for some reason, they never did until now. Yeah, no, we, we, we just had this we just had this situation where you had like the entire blueprint set out. And yet just for some reason, they're like, OK, but like Roman Reigns has to be a face. Why? He just has to. Because mm. <laughs> he's Superman. Look at his body armor. It's clearly Superman. <laughs> he has to wear the vest. <laughs> but uh, no, um. I, I'm 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 really really excited to see the continuation of this story. Given especially, I guess we can talk about the match that uh, Jay Uso had against Daniel Bryan uh, to qualify for the Survivor yeah. Series match. Um, vicious, uh, Jay Uso. You know, I guess taking heed to the words that Roman had said earlier in the night, and absolutely battering Daniel Bryan to the point where he had to be stretched out. And even then, Jey Uso went back and attacked him even more. So, yeah. Um, wow. Uh, looking forward to this. I, I guess this is writing Daniel Bryan off until the Royal Rumble to then set up, I guess, uh, a rivalry with him and Roman. Um, I mean, the hope for me still is... Uh, I, really don't, I really don't know, because I don't know what title picture they're going to try and well, what picture they're going to put Daniel Bryan in. I exactly. guess they are building for Roman, but... It's what's know... after that, because it seems like, as well, like, um, they're building towards Big E, as well. So it's well, interesting I think, to I think I think they should build... I think they should build for Big E, hmm. but my one would be to have uh, Daniel Bryan go back to the IC title picture. Yeah. Hmm. Because I think that would be a good space for him to work in. Yeah. I, Especially I because he was involved in it before. I agree with that one. Because um, I think I think if there's one thing I want to see at WrestleMania next year, it is Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan. Yes, please. <laughs> Can we just have that match at a WrestleMania for the IC title, please? Yeah, I think I think that would be a really good place to a really good place to take it. A guy can dream. A guy can dream. Because um, could could you could you imagine right like, uh, you know, Sami Zayn in his current character versus, you know, uh, Daniel Bryan's like, uh, champion of the planet run. Oh, oh, <laughs> just hook it to my veins. <laughs> that would have been so. That would have been fucking amazing. That would have been like, so. I, good. I I think I think that would be a good place to go because that would really give. Daniel Bryan an opportunity to do what he said he wanted to do, which was really build for the next generation. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, revitalizing the IC picture would be a really good place to start. And I really think the uh, IC title has been given a new lease of life. Obviously, it's not like Miz 1617 level. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it, I, think it, I think it's become something that people are now paying attention to. Indeed. Indeed. And I'm... I'm... I'm all the more happy for it, especially since we did do an episode all about the Intercontinental title, which you can hear about in a previous podcast. 
Dude, episode 17. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing I do want to talk about, actually, from this was, uh, again, just a, a phenomenal tag match between the Street Profits uh, against uh, Cesaro and uh, Nakamura. Um, especially the spot where Cesaro uh, power-lifted uh, Montez Ford up and over the guardrail. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, great camera work. Damn, bloody hell, I, I said it. Great camera work from WWE. It was actually one of the notes I left myself for um, the House of Horror, the Haunted House of Terror match, where I said this was the first time that Kevin Dunn's 19 billion camera cuts actually works. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, I want to talk about the talk about the frog, frog splash from Ford, because, oh, God, he's so good at a frog splash. <laughs> It's but, just uh, his his legs, man. Uh, but yeah, it also reminds me of uh, of week twenty uh twenty odd of talking about Cesaro and how that man is so underutilized. But you know, we'll get there. We'll get there when we get to it in a future <laughs> yeah. episode. It's just it's just to say this was a really really good tag match, and it was really really good to have, and it was actually nice to see the tag division getting at least a little something. Exactly. Exactly. All right, um, do we have to talk about it now? Uh, quickly, please. Do we have to talk about it? All right. Quickly. Here's the only thing I'm going to say about this, right? People have been out there and saying that this storyline moment wasn't bad. There's nothing wrong with it, okay? Uh. There's only one thing I have to say. And maybe this is just because I'm coming from the perspective of Brit Rest, right? Uh. But when you have a storyline about a wrestler contacting a relatively young woman or person after he's shown been shown to be aligned with a heel, I think we need to question it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I I think yeah. I feel I feel like the, all of this is just has a big questionable on it <laughs> and maybe maybe shouldn't even go there maybe yeah because like i that i know there's those people that are being like oh well, in terms of legality it's like not an issue right see, 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 that okay isn't, that isn't the question here the question Look. about that i want to ask is you've literally had wrestlers in your employment had to be released because they were sending inappropriate messages to minors, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I've kind of, I've always had the rule of if we have to go down the it's legal route, mm. then you've already <laughs> lost. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, because a lot of things are legal uh, but are wrong. Uh... <laughs> so, yeah, it's just. Uh, that's all I could really say and muster yeah. out. Uh, <laughs> it's just got bad news written all over it. I'm sorry. And not the good kind, bad news brown or bad news Barrett, but no, it's just bad news in general. <laughs> it's just bad news, man. <laughs> so I should have said at, and it, uh, at Halloween Havoc, Wade Barrett came as bad news Barrett. Which was amazing, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he had the gavel and everything. It was amazing. 
and a Vic Joseph as as Waldo as well. But you know, uh, SmackDown. Um, weird. I thought as well. Can I just like say as well for the final thing that is the most awkward on screen kiss I have ever seen. It's, I mean, <laughs> it was so awkward. It's so, it, very rigid. <laughs> Bring back Angie with the kendo stick. Yes. <laughs> Mama Mysterio versus Seth Rollins. <laughs> Look, worse, uh, weirder things have been booked, uh, and, and unfortunately, that uh, Ray has had a history of weird things being booked happening to him. And let's not forget the custody of Dominic on a on a pole match. <laughs> <sighs> poor guy poor guy <laughs> yeah so please tell me that's the rest of the news <laughs> uh just briefly <laughs> i want to go over to impact because they've been putting on some absolutely outstanding stuff recently oh yeah absolutely uh first of all just what i'd say it's very unfortunate that alex shelley got injured uh and with a pile driver, driver no as well it sucked uh, but to be fair, the guy is a licensed physiotherapist, so if it was going to happen to anyone, good <laughs> True. But um, no, he said he's already in the stage of recovery and it's not like super, super serious, but it definitely did some kind of damage. Yeah. Uh, but still, though, the rest of the tag match was pretty great. Mm. Uh, it was really interesting seeing chris saban there all alone i was really hoping they didn't go back to the one-man tag team gimmick that i think tna did about four times god they have done that a number. they have recycled that a number of times haven't they well samoa joe and kurt angle did it oh crumbs yeah let's not forget I'm when fairly... kurt angle had all the titles <laughs> and I, I think i think it was magnus did it hmm yeah. Oh God, don't think, you even stealing? I think his was though that he was in a tag team, but then had to defend it on his own in a match because his partner got injured. Yeah, something like something weird like that. <laughs> anyway, though, the North are back is being tag champs. I love um, Ethan Page. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not a whole lot else to say. It was a really, really great match. Yeah, I was actually I was really interested that the Good Brothers didn't win, but it was probably leading up to something in the future. Here's hoping. Um, Sue Young is now your new knockouts champion. I'll be honest, I'm very surprised by this booking option. Yeah, I, I was surprised uh, by it. So, for, for context, Kylie Ray didn't turn up mm. and she mm. wasn't there. And I don't know that they actually even, even gave a reason for it. Yeah, it was very weird and very, it seemed very last and It's minute. a shame because I was really looking forward to mm. Kylie Ray versus Deanna Perazzo. Same. I think everyone was, and everyone was kind of like, oh, what's happening here? And everyone was kind of just unsure about what was actually happening. Uh, so hopefully some light can get shed on that properly, but uh, we had EC3 versus Moose. Oh, another big Hoss match. Oh. Uh, absolute big Hoss match. Love the, cin- love the cinematics. There was a weird moment where it started playing like Euro Techno, but you know. <laughs> uh, but it was really good though and I think for what it was trying to achieve obviously with EC3 going to start working shows in Ring of Honor yeah, um, as well as Impact as well as far as we know anyway uh, and now setting out uh, 
well, what looks to be like a heel run for Moose. Indeed. Mm. Um, so that could be really, really interesting. Obviously, the big thing now is obviously <clears throat> uh, Rich Swan is your new uh, Impact Heavyweight Champion. Very interested by that choice. Yeah. I uh, thought they might let uh, Eric Young hold on to it a little bit longer. But, I mean, I'm happy to see it. I am as well. Yeah. I think I think if if you're coming at it from the perspective of not being a person who's been watching Impact, you might think it's a bit it's a bit weird and it's a bad choice. But I think if you are like an Impact fan or you have been following them, then you'll understand why they made the decision. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Huh. <sighs> Uh, otherwise, though, the only other thing is in AEW we had the the battle for the first win. <laughs> oh, this was an amazing match between uh, Peter Avalon and Brandon Cutler on AEW Dark. Yeah, so you can readily uh, watch this was... video on oh this match on YouTube, by the way. Yeah, this is free to watch, <laughs> and it's all right. Great, it's ridiculous. It, it's ridiculous how good this match was when you think to yourself this really should have been a full gear or at least an AEW match but I, we got but... I think this should have been on full gear yeah because <laughs> the stakes were that this was going to be someone's first win or one of one of these two guys first win in AEW and these guys have been on a, uh, a losing streak since well since they uh since they reset it in the beginning of the year yeah um do like shout out to Brandon Cutler's gimmick of being a being a DM. Mwah. Dude, I love it. That's so great. It just—I bet you it just warms the cockles of Reardon's heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> DM, DM, and GM representation. It has to be done. Um, yeah, I mean, this... for, for for me, my my ultimate my ultimate mark out was the the, the dice spot. Oh yeah, like the the thumbtack spot, but but uh, dice. It's a, it's a thumbtack spot, but it's being dropped on various types of polyhedral dice. Yes, it's. I can imagine how bad a D four must feel on your back. Uh, <laughs> so when Peter Avalon uh, hit uh, got hit uh, hit on with that and the grimace on his face, it's like he's not faking that. He's definitely yeah, not faking that. <laughs> Uh, but no, Brandon Cutler, especially with the young bucks there at ringside giving him the encouragement, picks up his first ever win. Great, Wait, match. I'm so I'm so I'm so happy with that. I'd, I'd be interested to see what they do with Peter Avalon though. Uh, in it, yeah, especially since uh, Lever Bates, his uh, his uh, li- librarian uh, assistant, uh, walked you're, out you're with that match. So, uh, do you reckon we can get like a glass Joe run? Oh, and ninety-nine goes, and one. Yes. And he goes, no, and he goes like ninety-nine and zero, oh, and then he gets the ninety-nine and one. And I guess, and it, and it's, and it, and it's against John Moxley for the world championship. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! No, you know what? I've done no, it Av- now. Avalon, Avalon Cutler two. Oh, for the world championship. Yes. That needs to happen. Book the it, Tony. Title. Book it, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> oh. With that, though, we are done with the news. Hey. Hey. Very long news segment this week. 
Uh, my Jews. Are... I thought, oh yeah, we haven't got much to talk about this week. Nah, it turns out we had a no, lot. No, it wasn't. To talk it, we about. had stuff to talk about. I just didn't make the notes. <laughs> <laughs> true, true that, true that. But this is see, this is what happens if we don't bullet point the news. <laughs> it goes on for an hour. But you know what? If people are still here, thank you. We appreciate it. But before, <laughs> before we get to the main portion of this, we need to go and head over and speak to Reardon because. It's time for Recommendation Corner. Really? I promise there is actually an episode, by the way. No, yeah, we do have an episode. But real quick, so we can get this episode properly started, I would like to do a shameless plug to Out in the Ring, which is a 2021 documentary coming out on LGBTQ+, pro wrestlers and star. So we'll have a link of that. Well, Dan will have a link of that. In the Sweet Chin Wag Twitter, which you should all be following. <laughs> this man, he's a great salesman, isn't he? Gotta be done. Gotta be done. <laughs> um, this, this isn't a charity. He's, he's not wrong. I'm, I'm not wrong. <laughs> and with that, it is yeah, time to get on. Charity, by the way, so. True, <laughs> true. It's time to get on with the Cruiserweight division. Ah, So, I guess the first question I have to ask you two is... What image conjures up in your mind, or what feelings conjure up in your mind when I mention the cruiserweight division? Can I just say that, hey, you two, hey, short artists, <laughs> you short, you short, you short asses of the the sweet chinwag podcast. What do you think of the cruiserweight division? <laughs> you vanilla midgets. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> to quote Kevin Nash, you vanilla midgets. <laughs> what do you think of the God. cruiserweight division? Is it because I'm white? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is because you're white. And uh, here at the Sweet Chinwag podcast, we are quoting. We don't like that term. <laughs> we d- yeah, we don't like that term. But I yeah, had to quote no, it because Kevin Nash. I reject that term wholeheartedly. But as my friends will say, they'll just say to me, "Oh, that's just because you're short, though." Oh my goodness. So we're short guys, as you can probably tell. <laughs> Dan and I. Yeah, we are. Sam isn't. Sam isn't. See, I'm not vertically challenged, uh, like certain people. The lanky bastard. But anyway, (laughs) so when it comes to wrestling, it's safe to say that we've always been like, we were never going to be able to do wrestling because you need to be six foot and absolutely massive. Excuse me, an absolute unit. Oh, I'm sorry. An absolute unit. But if there's one thing the cruiserweights teach you, it's that you don't have to be. And in fact, you have a place. And that place is in a table because that's how it ends up with all the cruiserweights. I won't lie. I thought you were about to say, and your place is in the mid card. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> it's on the B show that is that is, that is filmed before yeah. the main event. But... But no, as you can possibly... No, I love the cruiserweights. I love me the athleticisms, the acrobatics, because Spider-Man is my favourite superhero of all time. And and wrestling cruiserweights are basically, hey, you want to see Spider-Man people fight? Yes, I do. And it's always just the best. Yo, did you see... uh, Just quickly, did you see the tweet um, that... uh, I think it was AAA put out. Triple A Mexico. I did not. Oh yes, they've, but got, they've, the, they've um... got a, they've got a deal with Marvel. 
They do? And they're going to bring uh, wrestlers in with yeah. gimmicks based on Marvel characters. They, Yo! I, believe they, I believe they have El Arachno. Yep. That's what I'm talking so about. Now, so now, uh, Mexican wrestling has actual legit fake Spider-Man. <laughs> and not just the ones that used to wear Spider-Man outfits all the time. <laughs> the, uh, the official fake Spider-Man. Love and, it. Yeah. And of course, you know, WCW's uh, copyright infringing gimmick of Arachno Man. Uh, <laughs> which, by the way, guys, after this, if you have not seen it, type type a Google for Arachno Man because it was amazing. And the only reason they shut it down is because Marvel was threatening to sue them. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> but uh, no, like I'm in agreement with Reardon's. Like growing up as a kid, uh, the one thing that really I gravitated towards a lot in wrestling uh, was the cruiserweights. And was the light heavyweights because it was just they you, we talk about like the larger than life soap opera uh, and the superheroes that kind of surround wrestling. Well, these guys were kind of think the embodiment of that superhero part of wrestling because these guys were doing backflips, were doing all sorts of jumps in and out of the ring, and doing it flawlessly and so darn fast as well. It just when you're a kid, when you're young, like you, you marvel at that sort of stuff. You're like, "Oh, this is amazing! <laughs> this is amazing!" Oh my god! Exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's what kind of conjures up in my mind when I hear the cruiserweight division. So, would you like a brief history lesson, gentlemen, about the cruiserweight division? Do you, do we want to do a Pokedex on cruiserweight? Reardon, would you uh, like to do a uh, Pokédex on Cruiserweight? I mean, do we need to? Cruiserweights, they're the, they're the, you know, the Cruiserweights. <laughs> if you ever watch, if you ever watch boxing, you know, MMA, any of that kind of stuff, yeah, that. They're end of the Pokédex. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most. That's the most inspired Pokédex I think we've ever had on the scene. I'm, I'm like. I stand corrected. <laughs> uh, so let us start all the way back in 1991, and the short-lived title known as the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship. Now, this. Uh, was actually supposed to be the start of a uh, uh, a relationship between uh, WCW and New Japan as a way to kind of talent exchange, but also give these guys a platform to, you know, uh, fight for the title. Uh, but it didn't even last a year, this title. Um, it, it had um, proved popular with the fans, but I think it was visibility... Uh, booking decisions and creative that kind of kiboshed this initial title. So, would you like to know? Actually, no. Would you like to guess who became the first title holder of the WCW uh, Light Heavyweight Championship? Um, it was taken. It just to give you some uh, some uh, context. This was contested in a tournament, and the finals for this tournament took place funnily enough at Halloween Havoc 1991 who do you think oh. won that ch the f oh, became the inaugural light heavyweight champion okay mm. now I need to have a think about this but correct me if I'm wrong but wasn't the person not contracted to WCW 
Um, no, he would have been contracted to WCW at this time. Okay, I might be thinking of something else then. Raiden, mm. would you like a guess? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> Uh, I got you know what I got nothing actually this yeah, so time. So, so he said it's 1991, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ooh, 1991 cruiserweight that would have been working WCW. Oh well, sorry, light heavyweight, light yeah. heavyweight. Although they're pretty much analogous. <laughs> it's pretty down just much cruiserweights. Uh, <laughs> well, because I was gonna say because like New Japan has their is it junior heavyweight? Yes. Which is basically cruiserweights. Basically. <laughs> um, but, uh, 1991 cruiserweight working WCW. I know it probably isn't, but I'll go, I'll go Jushin von der Liger. Close, but no cigar. It was actually Brian Pillman. He defeated Richard, oh! defeated mm. Richard Mor- uh, Morton in the finals of the tournament uh, to side the inaugural champion. Uh, there are only four holders of this light heavyweight championship. Brian Pillman had two reigns. He was the only person to have two reigns uh, that spanned a combined 171 days. The second title holder was Jushin Thunder Liger, who won it on a house show at Christmas Day, funnily enough. His reign lasted 66 days. Scotty Flamingo beat Brian Pillman in his second reign. Yes! Yes. (laughs) Raven! Raven became WCW Light Heavyweight yes. Champion <laughs> uh, in 1992. And then the last champion would have been Brad Armstrong of the famed Armstrong family. And yes, the best wrestler out of the Armstrong family. Yes, even better than you, Road Dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the title was uh, deactivated in September of 92. Uh, there was going to be at uh, another tournament to decide a new champion after Brad Armstrong was injured, but it never took place because WCW at that time. Uh, <laughs> so let's jump uh, ahead to 1996, where WCW had introduced a new title for the light heavyweights, but instead of calling it the light heavyweight championship and distinguishing it away from that title, it is now crowned as the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. And a tournament was ta- uh, held was held actually at New Japan. Um, WCW loved their tournaments. And also wrestling loves tournaments with vacant titles. Absolutely. They do. Absolutely. So, Dan, you might, because uh, you kind of, you kind of hinted and alluded to this with your guest. Yeah, Would you so like to I... know who won that title? Because I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think of it. Because I know, in in preparation for this episode um, <laughs> about various cruiserweight champions, um, and I have, I have this recollection that the 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 person who won it wasn't actually contracted to WCW. Correct. They were a New Japan uh, member, uh, yeah. or part of the New Japan roster, I should say. At this time. I've got a name coming into my head, but I don't think it's the person. Um, Reardon, would you have a guess? <laughs> New Japan, right? <laughs> yeah. God, did my no, guide no. do nothing for you to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I've, I've got a name in my head, but I'm ninety percent sure that, that name isn't the person. Listen, dear, I have been. All of New Japan has been taken over by 
Rainmaker. Yeah. Rainmaker, 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 Rainmaker. Shouldn't you know what? He's not wrong, and he shouldn't. And you're damn right, you should be taken over by uh, Rainmaker. But I, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> Dad, have uh, do you want to guess then? What is the name that comes to mind? All right, I'll say the name that's going around in my head, but I'll say Masahiro Chono. Not Masahiro Chono, unfortunately. But I can see where you're going with that. Um, funnily enough, uh, it was uh, against Wild Pegasus. Yes, it was against Chris Benoit in this tournament. But Shinjiro Otani uh, won that, that yeah. won that title yeah. uh, during Hyper Battle 96 in Nagoya, Japan. His reign would last 43 days until we get to, uh, well, probably one of the greatest and most decorated, not only cruiserweight wrestlers, but wrestlers in general. Dean Malenko would win uh, the title in May of 96 and would hold that title for quite a quite a while, actually. I think people forget about the actual technical wrestlers in the cruiserweights. Yeah. There's a lot of them. It's a storied history. Oh, man. I'm, I'm so glad you, you brought that up. And it's a great segue because for, for now, uh, I'm going to... Uh, do a little stop here on the brief history and talk about some of the great names i guess that come to mind when we talk about the wcw cruiserweight division well i think we've got we i mean we've got to start with dean malenko dean malenko Mm. a phenomenal a phenomenal technical wrestler um part of the historic malenko family um really i think he just came into his own when when he got to wcw um, oh, absolutely! Man, this man had amazing matches against Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero, um, Rey Mysterio, Psychosis, Ultimo Dragon. Like the list goes on and on and on. And if there's I think, anything, I think the thing is, is that he was a fantastic foil for all the other ones to work off. Absolutely, and because I think when you have someone who's got such solid fundamentals and technicals, everything else you add around it really just adds to you know, the rest of the match. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I feel a lot of people, it just plays so well into those larger than life characters. And I think, you know, when you think of Dean Malenko, especially at this time, you think of the rivalry he had with Chris Jericho. Um, Cause yeah. when Jericho was mocking him for being like a, like a charisma vacuum where, where there was nothing there. And, you know, uh, Dean Malenko. And of course this spawned the most infamous of promos Jericho had had when, uh, when Dean Malenko was the man of a thousand holds, Chris Jericho claimed yeah. to be the man of a thousand and four holds because he knew four more. And of course, with all that computer paper and a big list of holds, Jericho lists off every single hold that he knows. That is one of my, A, that is one of my favorite things um, Chris Jericho has ever done. And B, the gif of that is one of my favorite things to use constantly. Absolutely. <laughs> Chris Jericho. Armbar. <laughs> Chris Jericho, man, what is there left to say in the year of 2020 about Chris Jericho other than, good lord, this man has had not only had longevity, but the way he's able to reinvent himself, as well as yeah. being able to be a sound wrestler who really is good with every facet of wrestling, technical, high-flying, uh, the yeah. strong style. I mean, again, I think, it, I think it leans into this thing of, I think a lot of people forget that Chris Jericho started in the Cruiserweight division. Yeah. <laughs> like people just have this complete thing of just like oh it's just the heavyweight he always has been but he was working the cruiserweight division and was doing some really really good stuff people forget originally his fi- I, I mean i will take correction if i'm wrong but wasn't his finisher originally just the lion soul 
it, yeah, it originally was the lion salt, and then he and then he adopted the uh, the lion tamer. Um, yeah. Pretty soon after, um, it could have been. Ooh, dare I say, it might have been his time in Japan uh, for WAR, where he kind of picked up the move. Probably. Um, but yeah, like oh, sound sound wrestler. And if you go back, which I mean, this whole episode, I think. All of us are gonna implore everyone to go back and watch Cruiser. Oh snatches. yeah, no, there, there's 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 so much. If you want my one for Chris Jericho and WCW, I believe it was Chris Jericho and Lance Storm. Oh yeah, that um, that, that series that they had was incredible. There is another match I definitely want to recommend, which was him versus Eddie Guerrero in Full Brawl, uh, Full Brawl '96. Oh, it could have been 90... Mm. Yeah, I think it might have been around 96, 97. Uh, phenomenal match those two would always put on. Um, and again, that, lead, that, that, that that segues us right into Eddie Guerrero. And oh my God, Eddie Guerrero, man. I know we, we gush about Eddie Guerrero often, but... No, we, For good we reason. Do, we do, but there's, there's a lot of very good reasons that we do. And the simplest one is to say... Dude was just incredible in the ring. Yeah, it just there. Like, I don't think there has never been. There's not really a whole lot else. There's not really a whole else to say to it. It's just that he was that good. Yeah, I think there is no one I have ever seen before or since. May I dare I say that has ever been so fluid and so smooth in that ring and makes it look effortless as much as Eddie Guerrero did. Mm. So we will we will get. We will get to it later, but obviously because we are talking about Eddie Guerrero, we have to mention the the cruiserweight match. Oh yes, because um, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio at Halloween Havoc '97. This was going to be a sequence, uh, a, a section all of its own uh, that yeah, I was going to get to. We, we, will, we will get to it. We will get to it on its own. But like, it's just the the way Eddie Guerrero moves, the way he controls it, the way. You know, he has the he has this very he had this very specific sense of like his his physical space in the ring, mm, exactly, and what that would allow him to do. And you know, he just you know he just was on like a, it always just seemed like when he was wrestling, he was on like another level of thinking. Yeah, and uh, dare I say he had the mic skills to back that up as well. Even in WCW, oh, he, definitely he had the mic skills, skills to back. It I know, up. obviously, he what he wasn't like the the icon we came to know in WWE, but he was still doing great work on the mic. Without question, I don't think that was I don't think that was ever really really in doubt. I mean, mm. if you think about the run up to Halloween Havoc '97, um. The promo work that Eddie was putting in, in terms of, you know, building this match and building the whole thing of the title versus the mask and really yeah. leaning into that sense of heritage, um, but also that kind of sense that we already, you know, the kind of proto Viva La Raza character that we came to know. Yes. Yeah. With without question. Um, now I'm gonna list off so many names, but. Um... I think the one thing we we I definitely have to mention is uh, is um, I think the sole reason as to why WCW were beating WWF in the ratings at the time, uh, especially to a hardcore contingent, 
Um, wasn't because of the main event, but it was definitely what they were doing in the undercard. And the cruiserweight division, I think, was a big part of that. Because you were bringing guys in from Mexico, from Japan, from Europe, uh, that were really showcasing a style that was not seen to a mainstream audience in America. And I really think that was what was winning them the Monday Night War at the time. I mean, I know know a lot of people would say the NWO. Uh, To a casual audience, yeah. I would say the NWO was the sole reason people were tuning into WCW, but for a hardcore base, man, there was not an undercard or a midcard that was do- that was putting on great matches quite like WCW were with the Cruiserweights. Agreed. Yeah, no, I definitely think that um, WCW's early adoption of you know Japanese and Mexican wrestlers working in that style was a, a really, really great thing. Yeah, and it was always amazing they had they kind of had that at their disposal. Yeah, so I mean, some of the Mexican names we can talk about: Juventud Guerrero, uh, Psychosis, Rey Mysterio. Man, we will get to Rey Mysterio in a second when I talk long. about a certain match. Um, from the guys in Japan, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger, the Ultimo Dragon. Uh, I mean, this, this, right. The one thing I'll say about Ultimo Dragon, I think he's he in the terms of the cruiserweights, he's he's not mentioned as much. But let's not forget that that man not only invented the uh, the Asai moonsault, which is used by every single cruiserweight in the world, but that yeah. man was on an absolute tear in the mid nineties because there was a very famous picture of him holding all the titles. <laughs> yeah, he has like <laughs> twenty to thirty belts around his body. <laughs> He's... Yeah, no, because I was going to say, because the one I feel doesn't get enough mention is actually Psychosis. Absolutely. Um, he, I think uh, I think the rivalry between him and Rey Mysterio doesn't get mentioned a lot. because uh, no, uh, But it should be mentioned because these two put on incredible matches. Not only here, but I think it all started with ECW. And then it kind of yeah, bled no, into WWE. Their, their, uh, their WCW. Matches in ECW were kind of the the first exposure an American audience would have had to them, but WCW was their kind of big exposure to a much bigger and much wider audience. They just meshed um, so well together, mm. <laughs> like so so well. Yeah, uh, and also just quickly because we mentioned his name, Jushin Thunder Liger is basically a Power Ranger, but an actual person. Yep, and that God man, bless him. That man who basically whose gimmick was based off an anime really maybe shouldn't have gotten over, but good lord, it got over massively. <laughs> he is like he was like the only way I could describe it is he it was like he was in control of every single bit of his body at once. Yes, and that sounds like a stupid thing to say, I know, <laughs> but no. it, he the with the way he moved, it was like he had complete control over his body. Without question, without question. I want to bring up and mention a name that doesn't get very mentioned very often, but I feel should because he really did put a map or uh, eyes to the European circuit, especially in Germany. Uh, Alex Wright. I know he had a very yes. a very yes. stupid dancing gimmick, but the uh, point still stands. He was a sound, technical uh, master of the mat and really showcased that German uh, catch style. Um, to a wider audience, and I feel like he was a main staple in the cruiserweight division for sure. And he had yeah, amazing no, matches he against was. Uh, amazing matches against Liger and and Chris Jericho and Eddie Guerrero. So you know his name deserves to be there as well um, in the pantheon of cruiserweight champions. Yeah, he's as... definitely one of the people that doesn't get mentioned enough, actually. Indeed. Mm. So as we get later and later into the cruiserweight division, 
uh, more guys keep coming up um, and really showcasing this division is probably one of the best things that they had going uh, for them in WCW. Billy Kidman comes in and, well, you know, brings with him the shooting star press to a mainstream audience. All right, granted, I know he may not... It was a very hit and miss with him to to, to bring it up. Well, as I was going to (laughs) say... I don't know what it is, but something about specifically the Billy Kidman shooting star press, it just hits different. Exactly. Mm. It looked vicious when I he did it. I can't find a way to describe it, but like the thing is now is when lots of people do the shooting star press, like for example um, Matt Sadal, F- mm. previously Evan Bourne. Like, he, it's like he, you know, he jumps, gets the height and turns and it looks amazing. Yeah. But the only way I can describe it is that, like, Billy Kidman didn't jump. Yeah. It's like he just kind of do a standing flip off the top rope. Hmm. It, it, it's it's really weird to describe. <laughs> it was it was it is it looked that's that's the one thing I will always say. It looked vicious when he landed yeah, on the opponent. It, it completely hit different. Yeah. For sure. So we had Billy Kidman coming in. We had, you know, even though he was around for a long time and only just came into the uh, Cruiserweight division, Disco Inferno. Yeah, I'm going to bring his name up. (laughs) Disco Inferno. What was Disco Inferno doing in the Cruiserweight division? No idea. They had to have something to do with him and dare I... But here's the thing. His gimmick got over in WCW, so I can't say much. Yeah, that's the thing. (laughs) Uh, Chris Candido, Lance Storm. And then later in... And just in the in the kind of heyday of the cruiserweight division, we had guys like Mike Sanders, Chavo Guerrero Jr., Shane Helms, Elix Skipper, um, all of these guys that were really bringing more and more stuff to the table, and were really. Dude, I wish we got more of Elix Skipper. Same, same. I mean, his Canadian gangster gimmick, I think, was a little bit silly, especially when he aligned with Lance Storm and and Mike Awesome. But you know yeah. what? Point still stands. Elix Skipper was great he wasn't great on the mic but he was great in the ring for sure um i don't care he does he deserves the entire world because he introduced us to the uh the oh, steel the... cage tightrope oh yeah the new school that he as he calls it because <laughs> of course take as old school for his new school <laughs> and... Dude, that spot just is i love it so much (laughs) and so at this time of course the last recognized wcw cruiserweight champion would have been uh, sugar shane helms uh when he had uh uh, disbanded from free count the boy band and then went on to have his uh famed solo whole type free count (laughs) (laughs) uh uh, and his famed white uh white solo career basically it was like if say like uh nsync were were a stable in wrestling and justin timberlake went off to become a singles wrestler the talented one left free count, basically, Reardon. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, me, have, that was me. Wander towards anything. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm sorry. Jo- I, I guess Joey was okay as well. Uh, <laughs> but let's do a time a time jump back then to. Uh, I guess we could talk about matches left, right, and center in the WCW incarnation. But I think, oh, of yeah. course, there is one. <laughs> We can mention that we've already mentioned, and that there is, is a... the cruiserweight match. And mm-hmm. I'm so it's so the apropos for the day. All others will be compared. And so apropos for the day when we're recording this, October 26th, 1997, Halloween Havoc. 
Would you believe it? The main event for this match was Hollywood Hogan versus Roddy Piper in a weird amalgam cage Hell in a Cell match. Yes, because yes. I recently watched a uh, a video exactly about this pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank wow. God for Brian Zane. That's all I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, on the same night, we had Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero in a mask versus title match. Should Rey lose this, he would have to unmask um, and, of course, reveal his identity to the world. If Eddie lost, well, then, then well, basically, Rey becomes world champion. Uh, sorry, cruiserweight champion. Um, oh, all right. First thing I have to mention about this match was Rey's gear looking like dark man yep. that is so iconic <laughs> even to this day god bless him and ray and his comic book inspired outfits yeah. just god they give me he's so many so many alt skins exactly <laughs> it just make, it, it just warms the comic nerd in me so much um but man what can we say man there's a reason why people gravitate to this match and people say this is the greatest cruiserweight match of all time these two were so, so smooth in the ring. Yeah. And it wasn't... I think the great thing about this is that with most Cruiserweight matches that we, you know, down the line we'll get to talk about, it seemed like it was spot after spot after spot after spot. This was amazingly crafted out of spot, psychology, spot, technical, spot. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, this, this, this match really just kind of has everything you're looking for. Oh. Two guys, I would say, dare I say, you know, at the absolute zenith at their time in WCW, um, putting on... I guess a lot of people weren't expecting much for this match. From At least from what I've seen and researched, a lot of people weren't expecting much. Um, but the fact that they they came out with this amazing match that was so well-crafted and had some amazingly memorable spots i mean the one of the uh the tope uh, uh tope con hilo from uh from mysterio onto eddie is a great example of that yeah um i just think it's it is you know i guess adds to the folklore of how amazing this match is <laughs> yeah i will say my favorite moment from this match is i can't think of a way to describe it but i i always call it the seesaw yeah where like they're, uh, doing, yeah. The, they're doing the test of strength and then, like, Eddie is on the floor and he's, like, hoisting up Ray with his legs. And then they do that. And then they, Ray goes up onto the ropes and then does the DDT. Yeah. Which it's... is, like, just visual visual poetry. Yeah. That that back, oh, that, move, that backflip DDT. Oh, that is a thing of beauty. <laughs> if I've ever seen such a thing in wrestling. <laughs> but, nah, I mean... There's a reason why Dave Meltzer rates this five stars. There's a reason why every single wrestling fan will, if any, will tell any casual fan if they want to watch a cruiserweight match, go and watch it. Uh, yeah, like, is there anything else we could really say, like giving or putting our opinions into it that like nobody Just, else has said? It's <laughs> uh, it's Rey Mysterio can... and Eddie Guerrero. That's all I gotta yeah, that say. That should really be all you know. The only thing I can say is go watch it. You can get it for free on YouTube now. Yeah, that is true. And uh, well, at least we have the amazing Halloween Havoc set as well with it. So, yeah, there's more, even more incentive to go watching it. <laughs> go see the giant spooky pumpkin vampire. Yes, you and that pumpkin vampire. 
<laughs> okay, so let us fast forward then back to where we were with the brief history. 2001, WCW was bought out by the WWF and with it, every single title that they had. Now, I won't go into such detail as the uh, as the title changes during the invasion angle because I feel like, you know, it was a bit... Because the light heavyweight championship was still in... Uh, was still being used at this time and there was kind of like flip-flopping between the cruiserweight championship and the light heavyweight championship to the point where it gets confusing as to who was holding the titles yeah. at the time so we'll yeah. jump to survivor series when wcw is no more and the light heavyweight title and the cruiserweight title kind of meld together to become the wwf cruiserweight championship and of course, we get to 2002 when WWF becomes WWE and then it becomes the WWE Cruiserweight Championship, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> um, this is the start of, I think, uh, a great, uh, well, of a, the greatest time, I think, for uh, for SmackDown, I think. Um, so when the brand split happened, the Cruiserweight Championship became an exclusive title for SmackDown solely. And with it, I think, produced dare I say, some of the great, not only great wrestlers, but great matches. We had, I think the first oh, yeah. rivalry I want to talk about in particular is, uh, is funny enough, the Hurricane and Jamie Noble. The reason I bring Dude, this up yeah. in particular is because, of course, uh, the Hurricane uh, uh, defeated, I think it was Tajiri at the time, uh, to become uh, yeah. the champion, and had this amazing, uh, amazing, like, short little run with it. Uh, to then which Jamie Noble called up from OVW comes in and uh, uh, basically defeats the Hurricane at King of the Ring to go on to have one of the one of the longest reigns as champion. I think he he held it. All right, from here it says he held it for 147 days. So from June to November, Jamie Noble held that title and actually did have some very good matches of guys against guys like Jerry Hurricane, Billy Kidman. Ultimately, with Billy Kidman winning the title from him at Survivor Series. Which brings us to a great rivalry that I want to talk about. The newly debuting Rey Mysterio, of course, going up against Matt Hardy version one. Oh I God. love the storyline leading into this rivalry. So Matt Hardy, uh, before he won the title, had to cut weight. Because uh, he was at two... Uh, well, storyline-wise, he was at like 235. And so with his... Uh, his Mattitude member, um, Shannon Moore, ex uh, the gimmick of vignettes, basically placed uh, Matt Hardy in a sweatsuit trying to lose and cut the weight to reach 220 pounds. And so in matches, you'd see him wearing the sweatsuit as well. <laughs> um, getting down to that weight, fortunately he does. Uh, wins the Cruiserweight Championship. They had an amazing match. Uh, him and Mysterio at WrestleMania 19 to open up. Funnily enough, fun fact, Mysterio's gear was of Daredevil uh, at WrestleMania yep. 19. Yes, it was. Um, and they had a match on SmackDown uh, June 3rd. Um, an amazing match um, that I remember very clearly as uh, Rey Mysterio having some amazing uh, sent on plancher spots. Um, but the one thing I want to say is that Matt Hardy really shone in his rivalry with Rey Mysterio, they worked tremendously well together. Um, oh, yeah. Mm. I think that, that WrestleMania 19 match proved it, and I think this SmackDown match where Mysterio uh, won uh, his first 
Well, it would have, well, technically sixth Cruiserweight title, but it would be his first WWE Cruiserweight title. Uh, further exemplifies that. Um, and I think it was kind of like the very, the, the start, I think, of Rey Mysterio's rise through WWE because he would win it uh, numerous times after that. And I guess his jump up in the card uh, only grew and got bigger at that time. So that brings us to a rivalry as well with Chavo Guerrero. Oh my goodness, let's talk about Chavo Guerrero's WWE Cruiserweight title run. So good, so good, because he had his dad, Chavo Sr., with him as his manager at this point as well. Yeah. Um, Amazing chemistry that both Chavo and Ray had had um, in the ring. And I think that does come from years of experience of them being not only close friends, but just being sound luchadors as well. (laughs) Um, it was at this time as well that Charvo Senior actually became Cruiserweight Champion as well. That, that was the thing that happened. That was a thing that happened. And of course, he was billed as Charvo Classic. But it's amazing that a man of his age, I think he was in his 50s or 60s, could still pull off a moonsault amazingly well. Like, I still remember. Dude, when you have that level of experience, it never goes away. When you're yeah. a Guerrero, basically that 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 never goes away. <laughs> and so yeah, let's talk about this little uh, uh, bit of time because we had, I mean, I've talked about uh, Jamie Noble, Hurricane, Rey Mysterio, Tajiri had an amazing reign as cruiserweight champion. Of course, if you remember, he had uh, those uh, Yakuza uh, members as his as his bodyguards, which uh, of course yeah. gave us Jimmy Wang Yang. <laughs> Hell yes, it gave us Jimmy Wang Yang. Oh my God. <laughs> we had uh, Spike Dudley's short-lived uh, heel run at the time when he was champion. Um, make of it what you will. Let us not forget that ja- <laughs> that Jacqueline actually had a reign yeah. as cruiserweight champion uh, uh, when she defeated Chavo Guerrero for the title. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was very short. Um, I think it was only twelve or so days, like two week reign. But um, it yeah. was something like that. But because um, it's worth saying that did happen twice in WCW. Yeah, I believe uh, Medusa, the or Alundra yeah. Blaze, and Daphne uh, had won and had reigns as the cruiserweight champion. I knew, I knew Medusa had done it, but I didn't know who the other one was. But I, I was fairly sure it happened twice. Yeah. Um. G- great. I mean, it was it was short lived, but it did certainly uh, perk people's idea up to uh, uh, watching more of the cruiserweight division. Uh, but it was it seemed at this time that not only were they being like in the uh, the the lower mid, but they kind of left them kept themselves to themselves. But it was also such a staple part of SmackDown. Like I can't not think of SmackDown at this time of ruthless aggression and not think of the amazing cruiserweight matches that were happening. Mm. Um, and I mean, bring like bringing more people in. Let's uh, talk about Paul London. He had a he, at the time was I think the third longest um, reign as cruiserweight champion at that point. Paul London. You know, uh, I never appreciated Paul London until he went, and I was like, I miss Paul London so much. That's <laughs> yeah. so accurate. <laughs> Paul London. I think, I think people. I think people forget how good he was to to. Uh, reference a person who I definitely want to mention as we get into the wider conversation around cruiserweights, mm. uh, Brian Kendrick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's yeah. Let's talk about for a little bit then, like 
after this, London had ended up pairing up with Kendrick and then had that amazing run as tag team champions. They actually held it for over a year to a point where they yeah. were, for a time, the longest reigning WWE tag team champions. And up until the New Day, of course, beat them um, for that prestigious honour. But oh, wow. um, yeah, London and Kendrick were just phenomenal. I remember the first time I ever saw a drop someone, I was like, oh my God, this guy is amazing. I just yeah I just like as soon as he left I was like I miss him that was it <laughs> oh I mean uh after Paul London's reign we also had the influx of wrestlers that had that were in WCW and ECW but had kind of um tingled uh, like made their way through the indies but i think it was after one night stand that an influx of all of these wrestlers started coming in so after paul london we had juventud guerrera of course um he came in with psychosis and super crazy and had that really questionable gimmick of uh mexican um mexican gardeners called the mexicals that where they would come out in lawnmowers but you know less said about that the better i guess that's vince (laughs) for you in his sense of humor um, honestly with that you never know honestly uh we had nunzio come back and have a couple of reigns as cruiserweight champion yeah because of course the full-blooded italians mwah, to the full-blooded italians by the way uh rest in power tracy smothers one of the og members Absolutely of the full-blooded right. Italian, mm-hmm. italians an amazing wrestler and uh as 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 many people can attest to probably one of the loveliest guys in wrestling uh, but no, yeah, Nunzio had a couple of reigns. Kid Cash, who had just come uh, out of uh, One Night Stand 2005 and got given a contract, came in and became Cruiserweight Champion. And thus starts, after this, I wanna, I wanted to really talk about this in its own little section because I think it needs it. Let us talk about the amazing reign and character of Gregory Helms. Jesus. So, Gregory Helms, after swallowing away in the tag division uh, in on Raw and having his superhero in training, Rosie, uh, decides that he does not want to pander to fans and little kids anymore and wants to be taken as a serious competitor. And so he 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 betrays Rosie and becomes his own person, complete with sunglasses and head tilt. Uh, thus yeah. becomes Gregory helms and he was away on raw for a for a number of a number of weeks you know having matches here and there getting victories over rosie royal rumble 2006 there's a six-man cruiserweight open taking place just before the rumble uh we know of five participants in that open funaki jamie noble nunzio paul london and Kid Cash. The sixth member or the sixth participant was never announced up until we hear Gregory Helms' music. Oh my goodness, there's a Raw superstar coming out. He seemingly has moved to SmackDown and is gunning for that Cruiserweight Championship. Just so happens that he wins the Cruiserweight Open and uh, goes on what can only be described as probably one of the greatest reigns as Cruiserweight Champion. 385 days he holds that title. Wow. And not only does he have great matches against the guys in question uh, that I just listed off, as well as guys like Paul London, Brian Kendrick, 
uh, Rey Mysterio once every so often. But he's mixing it up with main event stars. He's had uh, matches against John Cena. He's had matches yep. against uh, The Undertaker at one point. I think it was a squash match, but, you know, regardless. Um, it counts. It counts. It counts, it damn, it. counts damn it. And there was a point, believe it or not, in the backstage where um, Gregory Helms was being positioned as a main event player. As he should have been. As he really, really should have been. Um, unfortunately, injury struck Gregory Helms just after his um, his title loss against Charvo. Um, in 2007 but uh, no point still stands for me it's like I remember this time he was on fire and was putting on amazing matches as well I did like the Gregory Helms gimmick if I'm honest as well right uh, just being the shitty the shitty grin hill who just had no had no time for stupid gimmicks and stupid people and would just go in there clean house and leave is that See, I am the Cruiserweight division. I, I quite like the premise of the anti-gimmick. Yeah. Mm. It's just, I am Gregory Helms. I am here to win. That is all. Thank you. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's oh, just an amazing time. And unfortunately, after this, man, do I have to get into the depressing part of the Cruiserweight division. Because it, 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 it went out with just... It went out with a whimper. Let me just say. That's so, one way of putting it. That is the forever... Um, that is the forever, um, what is it? The cost of being a fan of cruiserweights. Uh, the fact yeah. that we have to talk about this, isn't it? So Charvo wins, uh, the title against Gregory Helms. That's where it ends, right? Just Charvo wins and then they just deactivate the title. Yeah. Mm. Do I have to talk about yeah. this? Because it's the great, <sighs> right, I'll, I'll talk about it. Right, the Great American Bash 2007, a six-man cruiserweight open. They do love their cruiserweight opens in the cruiserweight division, but they were good matches. That's the problem. They were really good <laughs> matches. We had Chava Guerrero versus Jimmy Wang Yang, Shannon Moore, Funaki, and Jamie Noble, who had just recently come back after a stint in Ring of Honor. Um, This match ends up being something because Hornswoggle ends up being a, a participant and ends up winning the Cruiserweight Championship. And just like with everything that WWE and Vince wants to kibosh, they just give it to Hornswoggle. Because shortly after this, the title gets deactivated uh, at the uh, by, by acting general manager Vicky Guerrero, citing that Hornswoggle's status as Mr. McMahon's son and his diminutive stature would eventually jeopardise his well-being. Yikes. To quote just Wikipedia. Yikes. Just think, right? Gregory Helms had gone on like an absolute year-long tear and was being a, you know, they're like, oh, he's a main event player now. It went from that to Hornswoggle in the title getting deactivated in approximately a year. Yeah. That's <sighs> how bad they kiboshed this. <laughs> and why do they kibosh it all the time? He says, knowing the answer, uh, but wanting no, Stan to say it. Large, huge. Yeah, so let's not forget that. Do it. Tell the people, Sam. Why? Because Vince just does not like. Do you want me to say it again? Because it. No. He does not like vanilla. I'm not going to say it. I don't want to say it. <laughs> Don't say it, but you you're say here it. And you're going to tell me that Chavo Guerrero is vanilla. Well, look, here's the thing. Kevin Nash said that to Eddie Guerrero, of all people. Wow. Eddie Guerrero, 
vanilla midship, by the way. <laughs> that is the balls. Just the balls. Look, we love Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash, I think, is a stand-up guy nowadays. I mean, because look what he defends and represents and, you know, what he's, you know, his political views and stuff like that. And I think he's, all in all, you can tell he's a stand-up guy. But that is a, oh, that is not a great move. Mo- that is not a great thing to say. That's that, what we call a freezer temperature take. All I'll say, <laughs> all I'll say is, I think Kevin Nash, in regards to Kevin Nash, he did buck his ideas up and was, I think, a lot better when it came to the X division in TNA. Um, something we did touch upon in the in the history of TNA um, Dude, podcast. He had the paparazzi productions. Yes. Yeah. That's great. That was great indeed. So, would you guys, before I get into the the um, the next chapter of the cruiserweight championship or the cruiserweight division, I should say, would you like to know some numbers of of the the two thousand and two to two thousand and seven incarnation of the championship? Sure, why not? Uh, I guess. Well, I'll bring into the WCW cruiserweight championship as well. Um, so, Gregory Helms is. Uh, well, the mo- has the most combined days as cruiserweight champion. Only three reigns, but that totals five hundred and thirty-two days as cruiserweight champion. Uh, Rey Mysterio is second with that. He has eight reigns, but has a total combined four hundred and eighty-six days. Chavo Guerrero, or Chavo Guerrero Jr., or Lieutenant Loco, had six as reigns. He was. <laughs> with a combined 431 days would you like to know who had the least combined reigns as cruiserweight champion wait <clears throat> wait the least combined reigns yes that's actually kind of tough basically who is the bottom of the pile of cruise you, you're not going to believe I want to say Surely Hornswoggle. No. Surely. No, he wow. had 60 okay. days as, as champion. Okay, because I was going to say, I know... Because I'm trying to think I'm trying to think who it was. You're not going to believe I... this. <laughs> well, I was going to say, because I think... Wasn't it like Psychosis had like a seven-day run? Psychosis had a seven-day run, but it is not Psychosis. It is. Famed creative writer and Vince Russo's right-hand man, Ed Ferrara, had one reign lasting two days, but he was playing the character of Oklahoma, a parody character of Jim Ross, who would slur his words and, and have a and droop the one side of his face, because let's remember, JR had a bout of Bell's palsy at this time. Oh, shit. And this was WCW's way of being edgy. <laughs> Repeat Ed, Fer- Ed Ferrara playing a parody character of Jim Ross held the WCW Cruiserweight title for two days. Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> let us let us not forget that this was during the time where Vince Russo was head booker, and of course, what the hell was happening in two thousand WCW? <laughs> Just, wow. Fuck. Yeah. I don't even know what to make of that. There's nothing to make of it. Uh, should we get to much more better things? Yes, yeah. let's. So, I don't know about you guys, but during the time 
during this time of like 2007 all the way to at least well to 2016 i was very much of a person that would want wanted to see a cruiserweight division back like there they had not gone a wwe game where i'd at least not had brought back the cruiserweight championship and put it on someone <laughs> Dude, I always used to bring back the cruiserweight title and the European title. Exactly. Oh, absolutely, without question. So I feel like it's it, been nearly ten years since we'd not gone with, oh, that we had gone without a division to speak of, and then a pretty darn monumentous announcement gets uh, made by Triple H uh, that they are going to be forming a or, or actually presenting uh, a tournament full of cruiserweights, but not just exclusive to WWE superstars. No, they're bringing talent from across the entire world in the independent scene. This, of course, Mm -hmm. ends up becoming the Cruiserweight Classic. And, man, this really hyped me up a lot. I just say, this is one of my favourite events that uh, WWE put on at the time. Absolutely, without this question. Their, this is when they were in their weird phase of like, let's just have a tournament and have loads of bunch of random people come in. Yeah. So, I mean, the the list of who's who in this tournament. Uh, man, who can I say? Akira Tozawa, Fabian Eichner, Tajiri, Grand Metalik, the Singh brothers, Drew Gulak, Zack Saber Jr., Noam Dar. Arya Davari, Raul Mendoza, Brian Kendrick, Tony Nice, TJ Perkins, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Mustafa Ali, Lindsay Dorado, Rich Swan, and, well, two uh, contingents from the Hong Kong scene, Jason Lee and Ho Ho Loon. The only reason I bring those guys up is because, fun fact, there was no training or no facilities to train as a wrestler in Hong Kong. So those guys are self-trained wrestlers who end up forming their own promotion and through just sheer luck of just back-breaking work of doing it by themselves managed to get a spot in WWE. Wow. And let us not forget, of course, the golden, golden name in all of that. Kota yeah. freaking Abushi. Just so oh, stacked. What, that is just so stacked. What an amazing, amazing tournament this was. And I think just a great way of bringing back the Cruiserweight division because I think a lot of things, I feel, really um, contribute to this. Not only did you have a great roster of of, of wrestlers there. I know there was a, a rumour at one time that they were trying to bring in Will Ospreay and Marty Skull, but that kind of fell through. But, you know, it doesn't matter because you had... Time, you had a lot of people. Joan, that, that's probably not for the best. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let us talk. I mean, man, what can we say about this tournament? This is the tournament that kickstarted the rivalry of modern times in Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. That was a phenomenal match. If anyone uh, has not seen it, try and find a way to watch that. Or go back clear, to the network clear, and watch it. Clear your schedule. It's a while. It takes a while. It takes <laughs> It takes an absolute while. Let us not forget, uh, as well in this tournament, that, um, that Brian Kendrick ha- put on some phenomenal matches um, against Raul Mendoza. He had an amazing match against Tony Nice. Um, yep. But let us not forget the amazing match he had with Kota Ibushi as well. That match with Kota Ibushi was amazing. The only 
thing I don't like about that match was when Brian Kendrick used the burning hammer. But yeah, because that should have been a because everyone knows it, wrestling law dictates that the burning, burning hammer. Burning hammer dictates it has to be a free, free count. count. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact they used a burning like not like a, a um. Oh yeah, a, not like not like the not like the not like the the modern variation where they like do the full rotation i mean like the full-on like misawa style you, you dropping them on their neck but to be fair if anyone was going to take a, a a head or a neck bump it would be kota ibushi <laughs> man he's kind of his bread and butter he put on such an amazing performance as well uh let's not forget as well kota ibushi versus cedric alexander the yeah. match that actually got Killer. cedric a contract with wwe <laughs> i was going to mention uh uh, Zach Sabre Jr. versus Drew Gulak as well. That was a phenomenal technical masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> and also also uh, Zach Sabre Jr.'s first round match. But the only reason I want to mention that is because it has um, Zach Sabre Jr. do the uh, tor- uh, torpedo European uppercut while, shout- uh, while shouting oi oi. Yeah. <laughs> the the, the <laughs> best... That's just one of my favorite things in the world about ZSJ. Yeah, without question. <laughs> yeah, the other one where he did it from the top row, we shouted, have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, such such an amazing tournament, Um, without question. Of course, you yeah, know... And we had the return of Tajiri to WWE. Exactly. Exactly. Um, this, this tournament really had it all. Technical masterpieces. Lucha action from, uh, like, Grand Metalik. He was put... He was doing spot after spot that was popping the crowd like crazy we had emotional storytelling in the gargano champa match and yeah ultimately the final not what people wanted but there's a reason as to why what it wasn't yeah, the there's final a very good wanted. reason why it wasn't the final everyone wanted so semis <laughs> and finals it was a live i think it was a live broadcast and we have grand metalik going up against zack saber jr and in the other semi, we had Kota Ibushi versus TJ Perkins. Now, I believe Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. were going to go all the way to the final. But unfortunately, well, I guess in hindsight, maybe the best thing for the pair of them, because they've gone on to do great things in their careers, they didn't sign with WWE. Yeah. Um, I think Kota, I think his intention was he wanted to just do this tournament, maybe a couple of dates here with NXT, but ultimately to always go back to New Japan because he had unfinished yeah, business. He, he, he said that he wanted to pretty much just work New Japan solely. Yeah, and Zack Sabre Jr., his reasoning was not that he didn't want to be in WWE, he just needed to tick off one more thing, and that was be uh, in New Japan. And, well... Yeah rest is history man Zack Sabre Jr I think has been one of the more if not the most successful British export to Japan uh, to New Japan oh absolutely there is just one thing I would like to say about this though right (laughs) now obviously I know the nature of wrestling but could you imagine hosting an invitational tournament and then being like, oh, well, the person who's going to win it isn't going to sign with us so he can't let them win (laughs) yeah Mind yeah. you, there was a good reasoning behind that as well because yeah. Triple H on the night revealed that a brand new cruiserweight championship and the winner well, that's the thing. of this cha- of this uh, tournament was going to be crowned the new champion. <laughs> um, can I also just say there's a story about um, Kota Ibushi 
Oh, um, I, I heard this one. Yes, please yeah. tell it, Dad. So, so there's, there's a story about Koto Ibushi around the time obviously, where they, they were going through and they said, oh, well, you know, we're going to give the person who wins it uh, will be get, you know, be, we obviously have to be on contract. And apparently, Koto Ibushi, when he was backstage, I believe after his match with, uh, I believe it may have been Brian Kendrick, hmm. or it may have been Cedric Alexander. Um, but he went backstage and was like going around to people, and people were like, yo, that was an absolutely amazing match. You know, it was really, really good. Um, and then, you know, he's, he was interacting with various people and everything. Obviously, Cedric Alexander got the contract and they want to make everything official and all that. Uh, and so he went backstage and then he started talking about some. Uh, he's like, oh, that other guy in the suit was really funny. And it's like, oh, yeah, he seemed like he seemed like quite a weird guy, but he was really funny. It turns out the person he was talking about was actually Vince. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and I love it so much because I mean, we if you don't know Kota Ibushi, he has what we would term big himbo energy. <laughs> Basically, yep, we yep. need to do an episode all about Kota Ibushi. Oh, we will just so I can tell the story I, about I live... apparently. Um, in DDT, when he was with DDT Pro, they used to get, have to pair him up with someone so he wouldn't get lost in airports. I legitimately thought you were about to go, about to say we have to do a an episode on himbos, and I was like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just love the premise of Kota Ibushi just being there, and everyone's like, yo, that was a really, really good match, and everything like that, and they're talking about all the contracts and stuff. I mean, just these bits is just like he's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? That's Kota Ibushi in a nutshell. Let's be oh, honest. That's, that's the greatest representation of Kota Ibushi I can think of. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the final uh, ends up being Grand Metalik versus TJ Perkins. And you know what? Say, say what you will. I know it wasn't the final a lot of people were expecting, but it was a great final nonetheless. And I think these two... Don't, take nothing away from these two. These two are great competitors. Um, you know, maybe not great human beings in regards to one person... But, gr- but yeah, great. I was, I was to one say, like, <laughs> but TJ... I don't think my personal opinions about a certain one about one of the two people was allowed to factor in. <laughs> Indeed, but no, TJ Perkins becomes the brand new cruiserweight champion, and I guess the last thing we can talk about is the up and down of of this uh, new incarnation of the cruiserweight division. Um, there's been some good stuff. There has been some bad stuff. Ultimately, I feel like it's now finally, after such a, a tumultuous time for it, has has found its footing. Um, so of course, T.J. Perkins has a as a as as a solid reign as champion. Comes out has great entrance music. Uh, like I appreciate the entrance music of T.J. Perkins <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, and then Brian Kendrick goes on to to become the second cruiserweight champion. Has a great run with that title. He did. Uh, and then of course we talk about Neville and his amazing reign. I think really, honestly, Neville brought so much legitimacy to that title. And yeah. I think he's. I think the the problem that they had was that it was so clear that Neville shouldn't have only been there. Yeah. I think yeah. this was this really brought up the argument for me that the Cruiserweights really shouldn't be, uh, like, what's the word? Just Separ- locked off. Yeah, lot separated from the main yeah, roster. Like it, it's not to be, 
like rude about the other people there, but like it was very clear that Neville was working on a whole different level. Yeah, uh, and to be fair, like before this moment, Neville was, you know, doing big stuff. Yeah, he was. It seems weird that he was then just like penciled in. They're like, okay, cool, you're on two hundred five live now. Because yeah. he was definitely much bigger than that. I don't think giving them just their own show did anything for it. Because don't like we said about the the previous one is that they were just appearing on SmackDown all the time. Yeah, I yeah. I'm still on the fence when it comes to two hundred five live as as a concept in its own show. Mm. Um, it, it's a weird one, but Neville was. But going back to it, Neville had great rivalries, and I think really, really legitimized that title with guys like Akira Tozawa and Austin Aries. Um, they had a great rivalry, I think, for the Cruiserweight yeah. Championship. But then I think the really the thing that straw that broke the camel's back, I think, for the Cruiserweight division at this time was Enzo Amore becoming champion. Uh, yeah. This actually, I believe, may have been the reasoning as to why Neville left the WWE. That would not surprise me. Because it's like, bit. how the hell could that guy defeat me for the title? <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing is, though, is it's like the, the, the transition between Neville and Enzo Amore is so stark. Yeah. yeah. That it's like, you know, the, the, it, it doesn't really feel as, as much sense as you might try and put behind it there's nothing you can really do to link it together because either way it's either going to make neville feel like a joke or enzo amore is not going to add anything to the title really and honestly may i just say i don't think he added much if anything at all if anything i think he kind of it made me switch off unfortunately especially when um I mean, I can't, really, started yeah, introducing. I can't really say much because I don't particularly like Enzo Mori in the first place. <laughs> I think like really... I, I don't, I don't know that I can be that objective. Yeah. But the <laughs> only problem I had, the problem I really had with it was I was just like, okay, that's cool, but I, you know, I don't have a reason to feel invested. If anything, it was just like, cool. I'll have anyone win it that isn't Enzo Amore. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think his his belittling of the UK talent as well. That one time when he was champion just didn't really warm myself up to him a lot. Um, and unfortunately, this did end in very bad, in a very bad way because, of course, the title was vacated due to the allegations brought upon Enzo Amore, and thus he was fired yep. from the company. Um, and this, I guess, kind of started the the modern kind of uptake, and I think the the good place I think the cruiserweight division is in at the moment. Cedric Alexander put on a clinic against Mustafa Ali at, at WrestleMania, uh, the finals of a yep. small tournament that Drake Maverick had put on. Remember when Drake Maverick was GM of Two Hundred Five Live? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, and then, of course, we had a, an amazing reign uh, from Buddy Murphy. Uh, Tony yeah. Nese would then take the title from him at WrestleMania. Uh, Drew Gulak would have this uh, a great reign as well. A very not well, a very that... nice sizable reign. Uh, my favorite reign, by the way, of the of of that modern. Was was, was this the reign where he had the no fly zone gimmick? Um, I believe. So. I don't know if it was around the same time, but I remember he had that, and I used to love that. I loved his politician gimmick without without question. <laughs> <laughs> it, for a better 205 live that was a great gimmick yeah and then this was the time i think in all honesty i think triple h made the best decision he could have made he made 
the uh, the Cruiserweight title and NXT title. Because let's be honest, I think the one thing we all can agree with, every wrestling fan, is that the reason why the Cruiserweight Classic was such a lightning in a bottle kind of thing was because they were doing it outside the perform in the performance centre with that full sale crowd. A big factor as to why that was so popular was the reception that crowd gave to all of those competitors. So what- I think I think a big thing as well is um, just the different uh, the different approach that cruiserweights have gotten on nxt yes because you know when you're talking about people who were in the cruiserweight classic johnny gargano and tomato champa have both been nxt champion exactly exactly and when you think about other people in that tournament for example like um you know, Noam Dar didn't really go anywhere. Akira Tozawa is now for the 24-7 title. And, you know, and other people, you can see that they, they everything they put in wasn't valued. I'm glad you didn't mention Buddy Murphy. <laughs> I mean, he's just, he, he, he's just there now. <laughs> to be fair, because I mean, they're still running 205 Live, and to be honest, I'd rather see Brian Kendrick on NXT, to be honest. Exactly. My my, my thoughts, exactly. Um, but this this NXT incarnation, I think, has brought actually some really good champions. I think properly properly um, established it as a as a serious title. And I think the f- giving it to Leo Rush as mm. the first NXT incarnation of the cruiserweight champion was a great decision i would have liked yeah. to have seen it be a longer reign but you know to each their own at least he got a title reign as cruiserweight champion which i'm so glad he did um angel gaza would end up defeating him for that title um uh, and then yeah. of course we have the current uh uh stalemate of where we're at is where we have a champion and an interim champion so jordan devlin won it at worlds collide in a great four-way match uh between yeah. uh uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott and the other person which I won't name because I don't want to name that person because yeah. I don't want <laughs> yeah. to um, and uh, El Hilo del Fantasma or Santo Santos Escobar which by the way I think Santos Escobar I think is probably like the best he has been the best heel cruiserweight champion so far yeah absolutely Um, I, I have said to myself i am finding his run mate it's starting to become a little bit stale on me yeah but i um, would have liked to have seen i would have liked to have seen i say a scott maybe perch him off the throne um well the, the only thing for me is i'm happy with him as champion i think he's great mm. um the only thing is i would just like it where he had a title defense that wasn't just haha mask it's clearly jimmied and then the outside interference, and he wins. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And I, 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 I know it's the heel <laughs> thing to do. I yeah. know it's the heel thing to do. But when you've done it like three matches in a row, it's it, kind of it does it kind of weird. It does, get but old. you know, I, I, I think I think there's a lot of promise in NXT for a cruiserweight champion. So yeah, I mean the way and they're building this up. These- we have Jordan Devlin to eventually return. So exactly. So they're building it up to this match. I'm looking forward to seeing what they go with that. Um, we've rarely see, we rarely see an interim, uh, a current and interim champion fighting for the one title. I guess the I guess the thing that comes to mind is uh, Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels. Can they can they deliver on that on that um, hefty history? Probably not. 
but I'm still looking forward to it regardless. <laughs> Shoot yeah, for no. the moon. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely there's definitely um there's definitely promise there. And to be fair, if they want to, I mean, obviously they can't do it now because of travel restri- re- travel restrictions. If I can actually speak properly, <laughs> um, because Devlin won, they extended it to NXT UK. Yes, which I think's really a really cool thing to have so, done. You know, maybe they. I don't know how much they'd want to lead into that, but you know, I you could see someone like Mark Andrews. I mean, the I think the future for the for the cruiserweight division is bright. I mean, considering who oh, they've absolutely. got on their cards, as to you said, fair, Mark if, Andrews. If they want, to, if they, if they want I mean, let, let's. I mean, I'm just rattling off names that I would like, but I'm thinking Mark Andrews, Flash Morgan, Webster, uh, Jake Atlas. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Scott, uh, Tyler Bate, Tyler Bate. Um, you know, there's there you go. That's just that's just like off the start, and you know, there's other people as well, like Shanti Adonis. At given time, Kushida, absolutely. I mean, yeah, Kushida if they don't want to give him the North American Championship, please give him the Cruiserweight Championship. <laughs> These are a lot of names that I'm just going to have to keep my eye out on, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, even, but even still, though, you know, they've still got um, Tony Nese on NXT. Exactly. Drake Maverick. Mm. Exactly. I mean, let's be honest. Where it was in 2016, it's a whole lot better in 2020. I never thought I'd say it's better in 2020 ever in this year. But I said it. <laughs> it's, it's, in, it's in a much different position. <laughs> but no, um... That's, at least we ended on, on a positive note. I'm glad that we yeah. ended on a positive note on that. Yeah, I think I think I think the future for cruiserweights is bright, and I think if things continue to go the way they do, and the cruiserweight style becomes progressively more mainstream and progressively more involved in the general wrestling scope, yeah, hmm, I think the appreciation for them will show. Because, like we said, you know, with um, New Japan, they have Best of Super Junior coming up. Yes, and so like if you, I mean, to be fair, if you look at the way that New Japan treats the junior heavyweight division, it's completely different mm. to oh, how yeah. American wrestling is conceptualized the cruiserweight division. Yeah, it's 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 a weird one, isn't it? Where in Japan they're front, they're almost yeah, well, practically they're front and center of the whole thing, whereas it just seems well, like is it, there, there, there I is mean. No... There is, there is no, because I think a lot of people in the wrestling sphere, well, I'm gonna say in the West, <laughs> but you know, in the realm of WWE and whatever, I think Cruiserweight almost has a kind of negative energy about it. Yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the, it's the energy of you were, you're too, you're basically, it's what we've been saying, you're too short, you're too thin, and what you do is. All you do is flip about the place, and there's no match psychology. And I will, and we, I will make one point that is normally true, in <laughs> that the cruiserweight division is a lot more injury heavy. Yeah, Grant. that is no, what that is. If business wise, that's the major. Territory. Yeah, <laughs> that just. Did yeah. You know, does, by the way, mm. you know that Rey Mysterio has had surgery five times on his leg. <laughs> the fact, the fact that he is actually being able to wrestle again still freaks me out. I think what's amazing about Rey Mysterio is that he's. I think he's been he for a very long time. 
he's as fast as he ever was when he was in his WCW days. And that Which sounds should not, me. That should not be he, possible. He came back, like, you know, I mean, like, different between, like, 2006 and now, right? Mm. When he came back, he was probably doing Canadian Destroyers to Andrade. So, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Final question, then, I have for you mm. two. Mm-hmm. Who would be throughout the entire history of professional wrestling who would be your dream cruiserweight champion as of if they were around today as i said you could pick any time period any promotion <sighs> who would be a dream okay. cruiserweight champion today can i can i do mine but can i do it as a dream feud you can absolutely do it as a dream feud uh i'll okay. if you want me to i'll shall i start first i'll let i'll, I'll i want to leave dan's because no, can I can I take okay I'll do mine last I'll do mine last because I'm going Dream Feud if you guys want to pick Dream Champions fine I'm definitely yeah, that was the question you asked I don't know why I'm <laughs> no I definitely would pick Owen Hart in the mid eighties that's good because uh, that guy was doing things that no one had seen he was doing springboard flips off the top rope he was doing moonsaults and landing on his feet at the time. He was doing stuff, Darius, like even in. He was doing the world of sports circuit back in the day because uh, Stu yeah. Hart and um, I think All Star Promotions had a joint agreement to, you know, license wrestlers, like have talent exchanges. And Owen Hart was doing stuff. Sorry. Everyone was. Like, Owen Hart was doing things that no one, not even the grannies in the front row of world of sport uh, shows, were ever seeing. So he brought something so different to the table than wrestling. I think he would have been, if today, he would be a phenomenal cruiserweight champion. Oh, okay. absolutely. Okay, <laughs> so my one is where I'm, I'm not quite sure because I don't know. Yeah. Okay, my dream feud for the, for the... And it will never fucking happen. If it happens, then the world has officially ended. <laughs> But if it did, my dream feud would be Ricochet versus Pendagon Jr. Oh, oh, dude, they had that. Um, yeah, Luke, they have throw back to Lucha Underground as Prince oh. Puma. Yeah, ah, no, but you I'd want like it as like as Ricochet. <laughs> yeah, but I'd want it specifically that, and for like Pentagon Jr. to really just play up the I can do all of this shit, and I also have. Zero, Zero. <laughs> which I, I think to, I I, basically, one basically... of my favorite things that, about Pentagon Junior is that he can do all of that stuff, and it's just sometimes in matches he just refuses to. Yeah, <laughs> I, I basically, basically, basically to bring it back to comic books, I basically want um Ricochet Pentagon Junior to be Spider Man Venom only in wrestling form. Dude, I oh. can fucking vibe with that. Oh, I can vibe with that massively, <laughs> Dan. So, that would be me. Your Dude, dream. No, now you're just being there and saying Ricochet versus Pentagon. I'm like, you know what? That's actually really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go back and just rewatch Lucha Underground on Sunday. 
Oh. Yeah, I, oh god. Can we do a, like I'm just going to say this on the actual um recording. Can we do one uh, an episode on Lucha Underground? Absolutely. Because, yeah, your your suggested one can be Lucha Underground. I say can we yeah. do an episode on World of Sport Wrestling. Absolutely. Yeah, because I want to do I, one on World of Sam definitely wants that one. <laughs> because <laughs> seriously, seriously, if that had been on Spike TV on back in the day, it would have been my absolute favorite thing. Just thing yeah, on like television. My God, I miss it so much. Cruiserweight title feud is going to be Jushin Thunder Liger versus mm. Neville. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, man. Ooh. The man who invented the shooting star press versus the man who innovated the shooting star press. I'm just Ooh. thinking about the shit they'd be able to do. Oh, and, man. like, I mean, we know how good um, Neville Brackett's pack is on the mic. Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> like, I'm just thinking about, you know, uh, uh, Liger's work, just with all the various people that he's worked with over the years. The dude was able to have an incredible series of matches with Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. Which uh, is a yeah. pairing you probably wouldn't expect to work out. But yeah. I'm just thinking about, like, you know, I'm just thinking about, if I, I'm thinking, like, most recent AEW Park Neville. Hmm. Versus versus Liger, and I I would just be like my mind would just like explode. Yeah, yeah. And that would be oh, that would be such a phenomenal feud. Man, man, Liger, come out of retirement. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the dude's like sixty. The fact that he could still wrestle. At you that know, age. The, no, the the dude is sixty, and yet I still think he has another good three years in him. <laughs> Oh, he he's sixty years old and he's got more core strength than I'll ever have. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, with the Liger bomb, especially. How could he do that at that age and still pull off a perfect Liger bomb? I never know. I will never know. Like I said, he's a Power Ranger. <laughs> that is true. And thus then concludes the uh, this episode on cruiserweight on oh the cruiserweight division. Um, and that I think may be just our longest episode to date i mean it was uh, it always gonna be absolutely no, apparently kofi mania is oh kofi mania has a rivalry then with the cruiserweight division <laughs> with the cruiserweight division <laughs> Co- Co- okay you know what screw it i know that technically he, kofi he right in, i want i technically he's on a he's like slightly above but like Co- Co- kofi Co- Co- kofi ricochet pentagon jr three-way let's go I would see that. I, I would pay that, very good money to see that. That would so be Tony, absolute madness. Vince, make that Tony Vince, make that happen. <laughs> In my dreams. <laughs> In my In, dreams. But uh, oh, shall we? Uh, shall we? Uh, shall we uh, announce uh, to the lovely people listening what uh, the next episode is going to be? Because uh, I'm very excited for this episode. Yes. So next week's episode <laughs> is going to be a return to our uh, wrestlers profile series. Uh, and the secret for this one is let him in. (laughs) Spooky for Halloween! (laughs) Just in time for November, but I digress. (laughs) So, if you couldn't guess already, yes, we are going to be talking all about Husky Harris. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, it is going... We are going to be talking all about Bray Wyatt, uh, the life and times and career of 
that man, and boy, that is going to be a hung humdinger of an episode for oh, yeah. sure. But oh, yeah. uh, all that's left for me to say on this extra long episode of the Sweet Chinwag is to say that I've been Sam, this has been Dan and Reardon, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag podcast. We will see you as ever on the next one. Bye! Bye! In my podcast, now feature length.